receive the word, hold on to the word, and then become the word that we have heard. It is in Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, Amen. The book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. It is so good to see you here today. Welcome to those who are joining us on Facebook. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for tuning in. We know you will be blessed. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go. Say after me, he must go. Come on, say it boldly. He must go. That he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. Someone say, be killed. Come on, say it again. Be killed. And be raised up. Someone say, be raised. On the third day, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. How many people have ever rebuked Jesus? Amen. He says, um, he began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from thee, Lord. Because I don't think that Peter would have rebuked Jesus in normal message translation. He would have gone all the way to Uncle King James. Okay? Far be it from thee, Lord, that this shall happen to thee. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you are on an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God. This morning, I want to speak to you about a, an, a subject I am calling, or message I'm calling, overcoming the fear of loss. Overcoming the fear of loss. If I want to be if I want to be even more blunt in terms of trying to say what I am actually talking to you about, I'm actually speaking to you about overcoming the fear of death, okay? The fear of death. If you're with me so far, say amen. amen. I believe that, um, that we are, as you know, in the last few, in the last few uh, mo- in the last month or maybe six weeks, uh, we've been really speaking to you about different things that will that we would need to embrace and think about and really have um, great insight into in order to step into another level. I believe that this is a great season to step into another level. I believe that God is not calling you to stay on the same level. God put it this way to me yesterday. He said to me, I have called you not to raise a, or, or, or not to maintain a nursery. I have called you to raise an army. Amen. Uh, I, I, I have called you. I, I was hoping that the, the amen will be louder because, you know, I don't know if you wanted to come to a nursery and, uh, and you sound disappointed that, um, that you just wanted to come to church and play a little, play a few games and then go home. But the reality is that he, we are not, you are not called, if you are here, you are not part of, of a, a, a little social club, a nursery. God has called us to raise an army of kings who are effective in our generation. And so I am, I, I am no longer primarily interested in your comfort. I am no longer primarily interested in your status quo. I figured that God has sent us the comforter Because he wants you to be uncomfortable. I'll say that again. 
You don't need to send a comforter to people who are permanently comfortable. You need to send a comforter to people who are putting, who are constantly pushing the boundaries, and so they are facing constant discomfort, therefore they need a comforter. Hallelujah. The amens are really quiet this morning. I, I haven't even begun to step on your toes. In other words, I am saying that the best that you are is not in your comfort zone. The best that you can become is not in your comfort zone. Your next level is not in your, is, is not in your comfort zone. And so if, if we are not going to play church, how many people are okay with not playing church? Okay, uh, because every time we come, we are looking to hear the word of God. Of course, you will be comforted by the word. Of course, you will be enriched by the word. But, but it is not enough to just hear. It is enough to, the, the word of God is coming to pull us up to a different level. And so I, 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 I really want to challenge you because I believe that the, the best that God has for you, I will be doing you a, dis, a, a disfavor if, um, is that a word, disfavor? That just sounded wrong. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Disfavor. I've made up a new word. Anyway, I would not be doing you a favor if, if every time, you know, let me say, if you want to, if you want to, um, you're, you're, you're trying to get fitter, so you're going to the gym more and you're, you hired a gym instructor, you, the, the gym instructor will not be doing you any favors if he tells you or she tells you, pick up that weight, then you pick it up and say, oh, this is too tough. And, oh, it says, no, 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 leave, leave it. Let's try this one. Can you carry this one? Yes, I can. Okay, let's take this one. That you, you're wasting your money because you need a gym instructor who is going to push you. Come on now. Anybody ready to be pushed? Listen, I'm going to push you anyway. Okay. So, 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 so we, it is just not enough for you to coast. I'm not even saying where you are is not great. I'm saying as long as there is breath in your lungs and you can still read your Bible and you are being honest with yourself, you will know that there is a gap as much as we are grateful for what God has done in our lives we want to, I don't know about you, I want to reach for everything. In fact, uh, the scripture talks about us growing into the fullness of the maturity of Christ. So I, I don't just want to be a good person. I want to walk in the fullness of everything that Christ had because the will of God is that you will have an impact in your generation. And so I know this morning, this is not the sexiest topic to speak about. Can I say sexiest? I've already said sexiest. But anyway, it's not the most, you know, it's not the best kind of Sunday morning subject. Um, but for the sake of the grace of God on your life, it is important that I go here. Because uh, I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Your next level will be birth. It's okay. Jesus is Lord. He hasn't come. I'm still here. Okay, <laughs> it's, uh, listen, your next level, pay attention, give me your attention, this is huge. Your next level will be birthed by your next resurrection. Your next resurrection will only happen because of your next death. So Jesus, you can, you can have a glorious three years of ministry. I mean, if you know, Jesus had a brilliant three years of ministry. 
You can have a glorious three years of ministry where you raise the dead, where you cause blind eyes to open. You can have a glorious three years of ministry where you shake up the government. You, you, you turn religion on its head. You, you preach messages that go viral. You do amazing things. In your time, you preach in Samaria, you preach in Judea, you preach in Jerusalem, you preach in Galilee, you preach in all these places. But Jesus, if you are going to have an impact in London, if you are going to have an impact in South Africa, if you're going to have an impact in South America, not just in your lifetime, but thousands of years after you have come, you are going to have to embrace your own death. Amen? You're going to have to embrace your own, uh, your own, uh, you have to be willing if you are going to be exalted um, to the next level, you are going to have to um, be, be okay to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, be killed, and then be raised up. You will need to die, I almost call this message, dying to live. Because in order to live, most people are not ready to live because we are not yet ready to die. Amen. I'll, I'll qualify everything. Stay with me. Some of you are saying, I didn't come to church to hear about death. Yes, you did. Because the life of a believer does not start until somebody dies. Amen. Um, the some of you died last time, the last time you got born again. Since then, nothing has changed in your life. Because since that time, you gave up your life in order to give your life, to, to, to take up the life of Christ. You have not given up anything else. Amen. Now, you know, now if I'm, I, need, I, need, I need some people who are willing to say amen. Like, just, just I want to find those people who are okay with saying amen, and, and I will preach to you, okay? <laughs> because your amen encourages me. So look, look, look at this. In, in Matthew 16, we find this amazing story. Um, this amazing story, don't worry, it would all be qualified. You are, you are sad at the things that I'm saying right now, but as we go on, you will see that this is where your next level is. In Matthew 16 that we've just read, if you read the previous verses, Peter just had a brilliant moment. You know, the, the moment where he realizes, he gets the download that Jesus Christ is not just another prophet. He's not just another teacher. He's not just another rabbi. He gets the download that Jesus Christ is actually the Messiah, the son of the living God. And they've had this kind of really profound moment where Jesus turns to him. So you remember, you remember the story? Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? Everyone says, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Isaiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're all of these. And then Jesus asked the next question, who do you say that I am? And Peter was the only one who had the audacity to, to, uh, um, to speak out the revelation that he got about Jesus Christ. And he said that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus turned to him. I can hear the music. I can hear the slow motion of Jesus. I can see the penetrating eyes of Jesus looking into Peter and saying to Peter, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father who has given you this thing. And upon this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. The hairs on Peter's back is standing up. He's feeling, yeah. Have you ever got a revelation that all the word of the Lord comes to you in such a way you just feel like Rambo? You feel like I can take on the world. Peter is the man of the hour. 
He is a man of faith. Jesus, the Messiah, looks at Peter. And at this point, based on what they knew, maybe they would have thought that everything that Jesus is going to do, as the Catholics believe, he, he, he is to, he, he's going to build on Peter the rock. But we all know that he's talking about revelation knowledge. But I'll leave that alone. And so Peter is in this moment where after this conversation, all of the other disciples are looking at Peter and say, wow, Peter, I wish I got that revelation. Wow, Peter, what, is the, what does it feel like to get that kind, of, that kind of prophetic insight into what Peter is explaining? You see what happened, yeah? I was, um, <laughs> what, what happened is I was, I, was, I, was, I, just, I just felt something. You know how Christians, I just, I just felt something. I said, you know what? I just, I just, you know, he's feeling full of revelation and, and explaining to everyone how this thing works. And so now the con conversation continues and Jesus begins to talk. Jesus starts to say, I must go to Jerusalem. Uh, Peter says, okay, that's okay. I, I, I can sanction that. I must suffer many things. Peter says, uh, I sense some unbelief. He says, I must be killed. Peter says, okay, okay, okay. This, this man is taking it further. He says, Jesus... I am the man, Peter, who has just had a revelation. Jesus, come. Jesus. Sorry, guys. Jesus. Far be it from you. Look at me. Look at me. Look, look into my eyes, Jesus. Look into my eyes. Not around the eyes. Look into my eyes. I want to tell you the truth. Look into my eyes. Far be it from you. Look at me. And you know how we're, when we're trying to say something serious, we squint up. Listen, I have an active imagination. Leave me alone. The, the Bible is not just words. I am, I'm there with them. So Peter is looking, <laughs> Peter is looking, is looking to Jesus. I said, Jesus, look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. Far be it from you that you will ever say something like that. My heavenly father just revealed it to me. <laughs> and Jesus turns to this man of faith and he says, get thee behind me. Uh, he didn't even call him. He didn't even call him Peter. He didn't call him. He, he, he didn't call him. Imagine one minute. Your name is in, in, a, in, in a few verses. Your name has changed from Simon to Peter to Satan. Imagine that. Imagine. Listen, I, I'm telling you, the truth is that many of us are not ready for Jesus to be your pastor. Jesus was rude. He wasn't, he wasn't nice. You know, Im imagine trying to raise the, you know, the, the, to heal that, that boy who had leprosy and, uh, and not being able to do this. And you're trying to, the, the disciples would have been trying to, you remember the story? The, the disciples would have been trying to get the man and his fuel. They said, we can't heal. Don't worry. As you go, God will heal you. And Jesus comes back and the guy goes to Jesus and tells Jesus, Jesus, I, 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 um, I, my son is sick. And the disciples are waiting and just pray. Oh, I pray that Jesus will just pray for him. And the next thing the disciples say, the, the, the man says, is we brought him to your disciples and they couldn't heal. The, the, the guy, Peter would have been like, did you have to say that? Your son, you know. And Jesus turned to them. Jesus does not ignore that. Jesus turned to them and talked, oh, ye of little faith. How long am I going to be with you before you can? He tells them off in public. You don't want Jesus to be your master. You don't want him to be your pastor. That's why we like Jesus in heaven. Amen. We like him in heaven because when you see how he spoke. But anyway, he turns to Peter and he rebukes Peter. And he says, he calls him, he calls, he calls Peter Satan. Because to suggest that Jesus should not talk about his death, it is absolutely satanic 
an offense to the gospel, an offense to the advancement of Jesus Christ. That word offense is also used for the gospel. An offense means a stumbling block, something you put in your way that causes you to stumble. It's also called a scandal. Jesus says, it is a scandal for you to look at me based on everything you see around me, and you're trying to dissuade me from dying. Because my next level depends on that death. I know that what you are seeing is so brilliant because you've even been able to get money out of the mouth of a fish. You're seeing amazing things where you are, Peter, and you want to build a house here. That is Satan talking. Ladies and gentlemen, here is what I am trying to tell you today. It is, it is, it is, in fact, I'm just going to be rude. It is demonic for you to be in a place where you are living life afraid of dying. I'm going to calm down and tell you the truth. It is is wrong for you to be in a place where you are living your whole life afraid of losing stuff. Afraid of what you are going to lose because your next level is, listen, your next resurrection will only come to your, after your next death. By the way, listen carefully. Resurrection power is useless to those who are alive. The very nature of resurrection power, I will qualify what death is, but stay with me. The very nature of, of, of resurrection power means that things have to die for that power to be activated. Are you with me so far? The life of a believer is made up of several cycles of deaths and resurrection. You go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from level to level, by going through cycles of deaths and resurrection. So your next level is on the other side of your next death. Hallelujah. Okay? Let me use marriage as an example. You know, and we talk about this a lot here. Um, Paul instructs us in, 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 in Ephesians 5, you know, talking about submission. Listen carefully, gentlemen. The glorious bride that you are looking for is on the other side of your death. This is so good. The church is quiet. The other, the other side is this. The ladies... This is for you. <laughs> the, the Christ-like husband you are after is on the other side of your submission. By the way, submission and death, they're the same thing. Jesus just knows that when you're talking to a man, you have to be direct. You can't tell a man, submit. What does that mean? But when you tell him, die. <laughs> Way. <laughs> Some of you... <laughs> Some of you, mama, that's a, that's a key for your son. Stop dancing around your boy. You better tell that boy, stop saying, would you stop doing that? No, tell him, listen, you better stop now because he hears things directly. But the point I'm trying to make is that the, the best marriages are made up of dead people. Come on, somebody back in the back say amen for me. Just to, Come on. Oh, wonderful, amen. J- just feel free to, j- the people in the front were not sure if they want to say amen, so I had to solicit it from the back. 
<laughs> the best marriages, are, the best friendships are made up of dead people. People who are no longer living for themselves. The best Christians are dead Christians. Look at what Paul said. Paul put it this way. He says, I die daily. So he, he, he again, I'll, I'll talk about that. He, he dies, but resurrection power is available, so he resurrects him. But he goes to another level. He dies again, resurrection power resurrects him. To the place where he gets to the place where he enters levels of glory that he cannot even tell you. He says, it will be illegal to let you know what I know. Because, because your next level is on the other side of your next death. Are you with me so far? When I speak about death, I am talking about, uh, 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 let me qualify this, I am not talking about you dying on the cross. <laughs> Put down the cross. If you died on the cross, we would all be in our sin. You're not going to help anybody by you dying on the cross, okay? Tell your neighbor, don't get on the cross. Get off the cross. Get, get off the cross. We're not, we're not talking about nonsense like that because you can't help anyone on the cross. I'm not talking about a religious activity that you do to get God's attention. When we talk about this, we're not trying to please God. We know that God is already pleased with us. And why is God pleased with us? Because of Jesus Christ. Jesus has settled the score. So really what we are saying is because you have God's approval, because you have access to heaven, because you have access to God, the only way to get access to what God has for you is through your willingness to lay down your life. So we're, we're talking about dying, not because, and, and I am purposefully using the word dying, because, because it's, it's making you uncomfortable. Because, you know, we don't like to, the, you, when, when a Christian hears Jesus say stuff like this, we say, may death never be near you. Amen. <laughs> may you never die. Amen. You should stop praying those prayers. Because... <laughs> You need to rethink it, rethink it, rethink those prayers of being, of wanting to live forever. You're not called to live forever. You're called to fulfill your purpose. That is why Jesus can finish his purpose at 33 and die and still be okay with it. Because it wasn't about longevity, it was about completing your purpose. Stop attempting to live long without doing what you're here to do. Amen. The church as we know it was built on the back of deaths of many. It's a strong message this morning. I don't know if it's a Sunday morning message. Maybe I should, I should have taught this on a Tuesday. I'm just joking. It's good for us. <laughs> How many people want to go to the next level? Okay, we're going to face this thing head on. The beauty of the grace of God is that we can deal with straight things like this. Because the grace of God covers us. Are you with me so far? So when I talk about that, I'm not talking about you getting into a religious activity to get God's attention. You already have his attention. I'm speaking about death in every sense. Um, uh, separation, death in essence is separation from life. It is separation in many ways from life as you know it. So if, if you life as you know it, you've always worked in this company and then something happens and you lose your job, you have experienced a death there. 
because there has been a separation from that income as you know it, from that job as you know it, from going to work as you know it. Are you with me so far? If you, be, you were in a relationship, you were married, and, 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 and then there was a divorce in that relationship, a death happens there. Because two lives that were joined together are now being severed and, and there is a death of a life that was, uh, that, that, that was being grown there and suddenly that has been snuffed out. Are you with me so far? We go through, you know, you lose a house, there is a separation from that. You lose some money, there is a separation from that. So, 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 so when I talk about death, yes, in the extreme sense of the word, I am talking about, sorry, why did that? I'm talking about, <laughs> you see, I think, I think death is almost like sex where we don't like to talk about it at church. Church gets really, I feel the same, I feel like I'm preaching about sex because, because when I preach about sex, I, I start getting hot like I'm getting hot. And I'm getting hot because as the word is landing, it's bouncing on you and you don't know what to do with it and it's kind of, uh, it's the same kind of thing. And then money is the other one as well. But all of us have got to get the right understanding of these different things if we are truly going to thrive. And I want us to thrive. Come on, we can give that, the Lord a hand of praise for thriving. And so, and so when I'm talking about death, yes, in the extreme side of things, I am talking about the cessation of life. But I am also talking about separation from things. You will be amazed at how much the fear of loss governs our decisions. How much the fear, some of you have not started businesses because you're afraid of losing money. You don't have money, <laughs> but you're afraid of losing the one you have. What you have is not enough. <laughs> Any new people in the house? It's not enough, but you're afraid of losing it. You hate this job. You hate it. Monday morning comes, you get a panic attack because this is how much you hate the job, but you're still afraid to lose it. Okay? Now, uh, uh, and so somehow we've got to deal with this fear of loss. It is the same reason why we fear death. Are you with me so far? Because the reality is, unless a kernel of wheat, John 12, 24, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I have a responsibility to snatch back death from the enemy because you have been looking at death and loss only from the lenses of the enemy. But your God has a perspective on death and loss that Christians have to adopt, have to receive in order for them to live the life. Peter only heard, suffer, kill. He did not hear the last one. And be raised. Amen. Amen. I believe you were born for more. Just in case you didn't know it, 
Just like Jesus, you are a seed of a dream that God had upon this earth. Just like Jesus, you were born for greatness. Just like Jesus, you showed up here on earth because purpose placed a demand on you. This is why you were not born in 1066 to sort out the Battle of Hastings. Because your purpose was not about the Battle of Hastings. Your purpose was about a problem here in 2019. This is why you were born at this time. For some of you, your parents, their womb appears to have been shut up for many years. But then at the right time, when nobody was expecting it, pop, here you came because purpose placed a demand on you. For some of you, your parents are illegitimate parents. Because God allowed you to be born through something as horrible as even rape. Because what you are born to do is greater than how you came. Is greater than how you came. He allowed you to come. So if you think that your greatest disadvantage is how you came into this world, please know that the conditions did not appear to be right. But the reality is God still insisted that this is the time for you to come because it wasn't about your parents. They were only supposed to be stewards of your life. Purpose placed a demand on you. And so even though your dad or your mother did not want you, you had a heavenly father who needed you to come at the time that you came. So you are here not for that crazy man or that crazy woman who refused to take responsibility for you. You are here because your heavenly father pulled on you at the right time, knit you together in their womb and birthed you. So you better change your mind about you, about who you are. You are here because purpose placed a demand on you. You're not here by yourself. You're not here to just play around, to just eat chicken and go home. No, you're here for life. You're here to turn somebody's life around. You're here to bring light into someone's darkness. You're here to cause someone who has been in depression to be lifted up. You're here to raise the dead. You're here to open deaf ears. You're here to raise up businesses. You're here to build the kingdom of God. You're here to get into governments. You're here into, to, to, to get into corridors of authority, to shape policy. You are here to establish the kingdom of God. You're here to bring his kingdom down on earth. You're here to snatch people out of poverty and put them in a place of provision. You're here to build organizations where people will find shelter under your wing. You're here to preach the gospel until every nation has heard that there is a God in heaven. He is good. He does all things well. Before you begin to buy the lie that you are here just, just, just to live. No, you're here for greater. Jesus, you're doing amazing things on earth. And you're raising the dead and opening blind eyes. And your, your life is great and people are flocking anywhere you go. They're flocking around you. They're following you anywhere you go. They're getting healed. Amazing things are, happen, are happening. But Jesus, as great as this is, you are here for more. You're here for more, to get to the place where after your death, not only will you have power in Judea and in Jerusalem and in Samaria, but on the other side of your death is awaiting you a name that is exalted above every other name. 
that at the mention of your name, whether in heaven, on earth, beneath the earth, at the mention of your name, every knee shall bow. That only happened on the other side of his death. Are you with me so far? Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's time to change your mind. It's time to level up. Look at Revelation chapter 12. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. I decided that I wasn't going to be nice about this message. I decided, I, 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 know, I know so many of us, and I'm one of those who this is a sensitive thing to me because for many years, my, my mother died early um, in my, in my, in when I was just 21. My brothers were younger. My sister was a couple of years older than I am. Uh, and, and death was a sensitive subject. It, it, it's, it's sensitive, but, but I, want to, I want to make sure that we, we do not look at this through the narrative of the enemy. Amen? We don't look at it. It limits us. It caps your level. That is why certain things, you're not trying certain things because you're worried of losing your reputation. You're worried about losing some money. You're worried about losing faith. I started to see more miracles in my ministry the moment I stopped being worried about, about failing. I started to get, get more prophetic words of knowledge. I started to give more, more um, accurate words of knowledge the moment I stopped worrying about failing. The moment I stopped worrying about trying to get it wrong or, or, or worrying about what would happen if I got it wrong, the moment I died to that, the Lord is doing amazing things. Are you with me so far? Do you see the extent to which I'm, to, do you see what I'm talking about? There, there, is, there, is, there is death in many forms. Look at Revelation chapter 12. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him, excuse me, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Someone say the blood of the lamb. And the word of their testimony. Someone say testimony. Now here is the last part which we don't tend to talk about a lot. They, they did not love their lives unto death. Listen carefully. The kingdom of darkness will be defeated. Why do I know that it will be defeated? Because the kingdom of darkness has already been defeated. Does that make sense? So because it has been defeated, the scripture talks about how Jesus made an open show of it. Are you with me this morning? Okay, if you're with me, say amen. I want to make sure you're hearing. Okay, the, the, the kingdom of darkness has already been defeated because of what Jesus did. But the kingdom of darkness that is still at work in our midst will eventually be completely defeated, which is what John looks into the future and he sees. But he says, he's saying that what he saw when he looked into the future was a kingdom of darkness that was defeated. Not just by people who know how to give a, give a good testimony at church. Not just by people who knew how to plead the blood. But also by people who did not love their lives unto death. Listen, even the world you're currently living in, let, let me give you a, a, a modern day example. This world that you are in right now has been completely hacked and turned around. Policies have been created, presidents have been elected, and presidents have been deposed on the basis of 
a few men who on 9-11, everyone remember September 11? September 11, 2001, okay? These men believed a lie, so much so that they were willing to die. So on the back of their death for a lie, uh, airports have completely changed the way you travel. So you can't travel the same way anymore. You've got to take off your belt, take off your shoes, take off all the money in your hands. If, your, if your, 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 belt, your trouser is falling down, you've got to hold it down and hold all kinds of stuff. It is an interesting thing watch pe watching people cross the barrier at the airport. People are carrying all kinds of things. And, and sometimes the, the airport people are rude and just trying to get you to move. Uh, anyway, especially in America. I'm praying for you Americans. May the Lord help you. you know, so where they just kind of... Uh, Who's going to move that? You move that stuff. One, one guy was being so, um, this is personal. I think I've gone personal because this guy was being rude to me. I, we almost got into a fight. I said, she doesn't remember you came to preach here. <laughs> Don't start to talk back to this guy before you slap him. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but all of that completely changed because some men decided to give their lives for a lie. See, we can talk about, I'm going to change the world. I'm a world change. That's talk. It's just talk. We're going to be talking all that stuff and making ourselves feel good. But until somebody lays down their life, until somebody gives up the best of what they have for what they're talking, no change will come. Are you with me so far? Many people live their lives completely afraid from being separated from life as we know it. I think a lot of Christians do this where we are really... Um, it's just like many people, <laughs> many people are in faith for healing, not because they believe in divine help, but because they're afraid of death. I'm pausing for a sec. Think about this. Many people are believing for pro God's provision, not because you really believe that there is a kingdom agenda to establish, but just because you hate being poor. Amen. That is not the way to live. God wants us to be in faith. Jesus says, I have come that you, can, you may have life in abundance until it overflows. In Philippians, Paul put it this way. He says, I have learned to be content when I have little and when I have much. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, my faith is no longer for whether I have a little or whether I have a much. My faith now is because I have someone who strengthens me in all seasons. That should always be the source of your faith. Faith is the substance that you stand, is a substance of things that you hope for. Faith is the substructure. Substance, it means this, the substructure upon which you stand as you are hoping for something. So that your faith is no better than what you are standing on. Many people leave God after a season of walking with God, particularly after facing huge disappointments, because your faith was not in God. Your faith, you were standing on getting a job. You were not standing on Jesus. And so when you didn't get the job, Jesus was no use to you. Faith is the substructure upon which you stand as you hope for a job. Are you with me? Faith is not, is not standing on getting a job. Faith is standing on Jesus as you hope to get a job. 
So as you are reaching, it doesn't matter what happens with the job, because you are standing on Jesus in every season, you are still standing. Be steadfast. Everyone say steadfast. Steadfastness comes when you stand in the right place. Amen? The reason I am standing strong here is because of what I am standing under. If I try to stand on this speaker, I will not be as confident as I am standing on the floor. What is the difference? The substructure upon which I stand as I preach to you. Does that make sense? We must approach life with faith in Jesus Christ. And not faith, in, faith because of what we're afraid of. It's just like when we were younger, a lot of us got bored again after watching Left Behind. Anybody ever, anyone remember that film? Oh, man, we need to bring back those, those things, man. I think they, 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 we, they would gather us at church, and, and, and for some reason, they would always only play these movies at night. It would always be at, na- at a night vigil. Some of you didn't grow up in church. Let, me, let those of us who did. It would always be at a night vigil where they, where they would show this film. of it, it was called Left Behind, and it was a film of people who missed the rapture. The most terrifying thing I've ever watched. You don't want to go to sleep just in case you don't wake up. You confess. Let me tell you, you watch that film at night, you will confess every sin you've ever seen and confess for your future. You will confess in your dreams. <laughs> you will live life terrified that, you know, Jesus is coming. Wait, where did they go? Where, where am I? Oh. <laughs> and many, and the, 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 the unfortunate thing is that you can't live a successful Christian life afraid of missing the rapture. You can't live a successful Christian life if your goal is, I don't want to go to hell. You will live some kind of Christian life, but it will not be the Jesus kind of life. You've got to believe in life in order to live. Believe in life enough that death, you no longer love your life unto death. Are you with me this morning? Here are three reasons why, three reasons why we often we often have separation anxiety from stuff. So remember when I'm talking about death? Yes, I want us to think about the extreme form of death. Okay? The extreme form of death. But I'm also wanting you to think about loss of a job. I'm wanting you to think about loss of money. I'm wanting you to think about loss of dignity. I'm wanting you to think about loss of, you know, your reputation. Anything that is important to you. Loving, loss of the house that you love or the car, whatever it is. All of those are death in a certain form. And you will be amazed at how much of this fear of losing stuff is an undercurrent. You know what an undercurrent is? On the top, it looks a certain way. If you go, if you go to, if you look at Mediterranean Sea, for instance, or any, any kind of river, you will see that it looks like it's moving quietly and slowly on top. But the reality is that if you jump in that, it will sweep you away quickly because the undercurrent is quicker than what it looks on top. All of us live with an undercurrent. Did you know your subconscious thoughts are more responsible for what the decisions you make, the places, the things you do in your life than your conscious thoughts? You have more, you are thinking things more subconsciously than you are thinking consciously. So every day there is an undercurrent. There, you know, some days you just wake up and you feel angry. You don't know why you feel angry. You can't explain it, but you just feel angry. It is because you have been thinking thoughts. You don't know what the thoughts are, but you have been thinking some subconscious thoughts. Are you with me so far? 
And so, and so this is why it is important. I encourage you to subject yourself to the word. Because the word, when the word begins to get into your subconscious, that is when you start to make subconscious faith decisions. You don't need to overthink it to say, I am healed. You don't need to, because, because it, is, it, is, it is, the Bible says, um, uh, talks about the entrenched word of God, which has the ability to save your soul. There is a depth to which you can hide the word of God that you no longer flap about in a storm. Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I won't miss the mark. I won't sin against you. Are you with me so far? So, there, so, so the, you'll be amazed at how many of us have this undercurrent of fear that is responsible for so many of our decisions that we make. And here, it is, here are some of the, I've just picked out three reasons why sometimes we have this fear of losing stuff, fear of death or fear of losing stuff. Number one, affection for life as we know it. We have a strong affection for life as we know it. A strong affection for the wrong thing can keep you stuck on this level. Amen. I don't know how, uh, anyone want me to be honest with you right now? Or should we just kind of pretend? Okay. Honest talk, right? real talk. Can we talk real talk? A few years ago, we lost a building. Can I tell the truth? I thought someone died. Anybody ever feel that? I felt like somebody that I was mourning. And I know many of you were, but, but let, let me, let's just talk about me, okay, so we don't get uncomfortable. It felt like, it felt like, so, and, and, and this, is, this is part of where this message come, came from. Because the Lord started to ask me, what is it that you are mourning? A thing? And I found out that I had put an inordinate amount of affection on a thing. And so even though God had shown me a great future, of where we, we were going, I was going like this. Can I tell you something? The, the children of Israel, the children of, this is why even though in the New Testament, uh, you know, there is no, there is no law. I, I, my notes might be messed up after this, but let's just keep going. There is no real law, uh, particularly in the New Testament. You don't need to be in a place where you, are, you feel the need to religiously fast or religiously pray. But I really do believe that even as New Testament believers, it is important that in your life you practice fasting and praying. Let me tell you why. Because your relationship, if you have a strong affection to food, it can make you go back to Egypt even when the Lord has delivered you from Egypt. <laughs> the children of Israel are delivered from Egypt. And they're in the middle of, on their way to the promised land. Do you know the number of times they almost went back to Egypt? And the only things they could think about is the onions and the leeks. <laughs> because your uh, let, let me let me leave them alone. Remember Esau. Esau is so hungry. He has a certain affection for food that he literally gave up his birthright. Are you with me so far? So 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 uh, I, I'm I'm just trying to tell you that that separation from certain things is important to understand that, that we need not fear these things. Affection for the wrong thing. I, I want you to be careful how much you love your shoes. I love these shoes. 
The Lord, yeah, and, and Lord, I'm believing God for a turnaround. I'm believing God for a turnaround in this business. And the Lord says, give them those shoes. <laughs> Lord, that is Satan, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block unto me. <laughs> and uh, why, why? Because you, you, have, you have a strong affection for these shoes. And so here you are believing God for the next level, not realizing that the person God is saying, give those shoes. It is not because they need your shoes. It is because God wants to get their attention on your behalf and they have the key to your next level. But your unwillingness to separate from a pair of shoes that you bought for 40 pounds. Okay, okay, sorry. 300 pounds. Okay, 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 sorry. A thousand pounds. Is it worth the next level? Does that make sense? My affection, can I just talk about myself? This is, this is what the Lord had to deal with me with that building. My affection for a building, Cheeto, is it worth giving up on what I have told you I will do in a generation? The wrong affection for things holds you, holds you bondage to Egypt when the promised land is where you are called to go. Are you with me so far? God called Abraham to go to the next level, but he brings Lot along. And it was only his affection for Lot is a good thing, but it wasn't good for where he was going. It was only until Lot was separated from Abraham did God now say, now you can look. Look up and look as far as your eyes can see. That's what I'm, I'm looking to give you. God called Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah. But his wife had an affection for Sodom that she could not look to where God was taking. She had to look back. Mm -hmm. Some of you, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> don't, I'll say it. I'll say it. You caught a disease when you went back just once. Just ask your neighbor. Okay. <laughs> How many people are still ready to go to the top? Okay, okay. So, so if you're okay with me not playing about, I decided we're just, we're just not going to play about. We're just going to go for the word. We're just going to grow. Someone say, I'm going to grow. Someone say, I'm going to go to the next level. God calls, God, God calls the children of Israel out of Egypt. We've already talked about it. But their affection for onions and leeks almost takes them back to Egypt. So your affection for stuff. Be mindful about, about the, the way you love things. Or the way you love people. Okay? Let me talk about hopes and dreams. Which is another thing. Are you with me so far? Hopes and dreams. The, the, the hopes and dreams. The other thing that often brings about what I'm calling separation anxiety. Is the hopes and dreams that we have. Uh, that we've developed um, with what we are being separated from. Can I give you some advice? Don't marry her before she says yes. I'm going to let you think about that for a second. You just went on Tinder last night. Sorry. You just went on, on, on Christian Mingles last night. Because obviously you're a believer. You don't do Tinder. <laughs> and you met them. And there was a match. And by this morning, you've already had consecutive dreams <laughs> of what your children will look like. Amen. You're dreaming already. You've not had the date yet. All you got was a, hello in Jesus' name. 
Because obviously it's Christian mingle. <laughs> Blessings. <laughs> Hi there. Blessings. <laughs> oh, my days. <laughs> I bring you greetings from the book of Nahum. And suddenly you, he's like, this must be the one. <laughs> so you have hopes and dreams that you are building up. And you are dreaming. I'm crying, man. This is... This is, this is <laughs> and so you build up all these hopes and dreams. Let, let me just say... You build up all these hopes. Stay here, Sheila. You build up all these hopes and dreams. And, and then you went for the first date. And then the second date. And you're still trying to marry somebody who has the back door open. You're, you're still trying to force it to work. Some of you, the people that broke up with you, they did you a favor. Amen. Yeah, amen. Amen. You're, you're 16 and the boy was not interested and here you are, I'm heartbroken. We better fix that heart quickly. Because God has just saved you from somebody who was not ready for you. The death of that relationship was the beginning of your new life. But the reality is sometimes we build up all these hopes and dreams with different things and different... I say to, to people, Rick, I, 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 listen, dating will never be marriage. No, but, but we just gel. Our hearts are just so knit together. The way we just talk, we just talk about everything. We, we talk, they haven't done. Until they do, they don't. Does that make sense? Until they put a ring on it, they don't. Listen, engagement even is not marriage. Because engagements are called off every day. It's just a ring. Because until he does, he does. Marriage in itself is, is the commitment that happens after the ring is on. Are you with me so far? So what we don't want to do, what you don't want to do, <laughs> listen, I, I, I began to have a great dating relationship. I don't know why I'm, well, I know I'm going here. The Lord is speaking to someone. I began to have a date, great dating relationship when I realized that I wasn't the only option for this girl. <laughs> Does that make sense? When you realize that, listen, you're not the best thing since sliced bread. The girl has options. And when she positions herself, look, I like you, but you have got to step up. Listen, imagine yourself married, but keep the, the place vacant. Does that make sense? Keep the other side. Imagine yourself, imagine yourself with the dress. Imagine yourself with a tuxedo. It dream, it is important to do that. But make sure you don't put a face on the, you know. Don't put a face yet. Let somebody have the audacity to step up to that. Because until they step up, you might be raising a hope and a dream I, you know, with somebody who is leaving the back door open. And so now it's time to move on with your life because this person is not ready, um, uh, uh, and yet you're trying to make it work. Separation anxiety. Are you with me so far? Love the people that God has, said God has sent you away. I have learned to, to know how to release people. You know, there was a time I used to get so hurt when people left the church. 
and there's nothing wrong with leaving, you know. I, I, I was preaching at, an, at another church, and there was a, a great member of our church um, who, was now, and who, was, who is now serving that they couldn't wait to see us. They were the ones helping and serving and showing us around. I was preaching there this weekend, and they were there just really helping us out because, because God gives us people for seasons. But when I didn't know that, I used to think something was wrong with me, or even worse, something was wrong with them. Because obviously, they're not praying. <laughs> you know, how everyone, all of your friends who left you, they're all haters now. So now your life, I'm going to show the haters. Stop showing the haters anything. They're moving on with their lives. <laughs> they weren't supposed to be in your life forever. Some people are not supposed to be in your life forever. Don't turn them into a hater. You might need them tomorrow. Imagine how awkward it would have been if, I, if we didn't release this person knowing. And the reality is, for what God has called them to do, we're not as equipped as the, the place that they are. Not because I'm not equipped to do what I am called to do. We were equipped for a season for them, and we had to release them. Just seeing them thrive, actively connected, it blessed my heart so much. But if I, if I overly build up this dream with them, I have learned how to dream with the people that I am with, but not hold people too tightly that I can't release them. There are very few people in your life that you should hold tightly. My wife is probably the only one that I should hold tightly enough and resist her leaving my life. Because I don't have a covenant with anybody like I have with her. But some of you are treating your friends like they're your wife. And so God is calling you to another place, but here you are arguing with Lot. Lot, come. God is calling you to take off a lot. What's, what's happening with you? Come on, Lot. Lot is saying, no, I want to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. No, you're not going to Sodom and Gomorrah. You're missing your destiny. Listen, focus on where God has called you. Those who will come will come. Someone was asking me a question, you know, based on, uh, on, some, uh, on something we were talking about. You know, um, if I, if, how do I cut off this good friend that I have because I, because I feel like they're really distracting me from this? I said, you, you don't need to cut anybody off. You just need to keep walking towards what God has called you to. And if they want to, if they are supposed to go with you, they will come. Don't cut off your friends because they're unbelievers unless they're dragging you into smoking, smoking, sniffing cocaine or drink, smoking weed where you're trying to see Jesus but you're seeing other things. There's some, there's some friends that you just, need to, you just need to cut off because they're not helping you meditate on the right thing. Does that make sense? But, 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 but just because they are unbelievers and you're now a believer doesn't mean you're, be, you're, you're cutting off a good friend just simply they don't, because they don't believe what you believe. No, what I said to them was here is what you've got to do. Find what is it that God is calling you to do. Start going in that direction. If this friend values you enough. Now, you're, you have to make a decision that what God is calling me to is more valuable than my friendship. It does not mean my friendship is not valuable, but what I am going to do. Um, Abraham, if you are going to go to where God is calling you to, it is not that you should not FaceTime Lot or send Lot a text message. It is that where God is calling you to is more important than the presence of Lot with you. But if Lot is going to come, he will come with you to where God is calling you to go. Are you with me? The hopes and dreams. The hopes and dreams. We should change our minds about losing stuff. 
I changed my mind about losing stuff and people started coming back. I changed my I stopped, I stopped being afraid of losing friends. I'm getting more friends. I, I, I stopped being afraid of, of, of even, even, even in church, I, I stopped being afraid of losing people. And people come. Because when you're not afraid of losing, you, the only thing that you are left to do now is to love. That's the only thing you are left with. When you're afraid of losing, you enter into manipulation. You start to become a professional witch. how you start to start to think okay this is what i'm going to do today when i go to church i'm going to say this and then they're going to say this and then i'm going to you're a witch you're 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 practicing witchcraft manipulation <laughs> let it go do you know that's what witchcraft is you're just you're dabbling now you just don't have a broom very soon the broom <laughs> is coming <laughs> are you with me so far someone tell anybody let it go Actually, let's sing the song. Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold me back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. I forgot it. My daughter has outgrown that now. Number three thing, and we'll, we'll, call, it, we'll call it quits. Is this helping somebody here today? Number three thing is our identity. The identity, in other words, who am I? If I am separated from this thing, we get this particularly with, with people who, um, parents who are, whose, whose children have left home, and suddenly you're asking, who am I now that my children don't live at home? You know, I, I, I had to, you know, parents, other parents who are, as our, chil as our children grow and their needs grow, every now and again, every couple of years, I now have to rethink my role in their lives. Because, because there was a time I could select my daughter's clothes and, and, and I will have no comeback. But now, <laughs> with God, now we have to spend a few minutes. Uh, you, you, I just want to wear that. I, I, no. No, dad, no, daddy. But what? You have an opinion? <laughs> so now I'm thinking, who am I in this area of choosing clothes? Am I really supposed to be involved in this? You know? Are you with me so far? Because life changes, and that, that's the death. Some of, you, some of you parents, a season of your parenting is dead. This boy is 30. You know, he's not 16. He's not 11. Stop washing his clothes. That season died. This was the season for you to discover yourself because now you have a few hours of freedom from washing clothes that you could have been writing a book. But you're still holding on to a previous life. I'm preaching good today. Let it go. Don't hold me back anymore. The identity who am I supposed to be then? You know, uh, and parents, I'm using parents as a, as a great example. It's just like some of you, you know, when relationships end or when a friendship ends, um, you, you start, who, who am I now that I've broken off with this person? Who am, who am I now that, that, I, that um, I can't post a picture of me and them on Insta? Who, who am I now? Who am I, who am I going to hashtag 
now that my name has been, now that, God forbid, but, you know, you know, just like uh, Chi Van or Van Chi or, you know, <laughs> you know how we do? We, we have that hashtag with this person and then the relationship ends and am I just Chi or Van or? <laughs> are you with me so far? Uh, the identity we attach to certain things. This is why um, uh, uh, somebody said this yesterday for me. Identity must always come before purpose. Okay, amen? If you're going to be effective in your purpose, you have to be clear about who you are. Amen. Amen. Be clear about who you are. The identity we attach to certain things just keep us trapped. Affection, hope, and identity are three things that are often the reason why we live in fear of being separated from certain things. Let me finish here in Hebrews chapter 2. Is this helping anyone? Whilst you're turning to Hebrews chapter 2, what are you worried about leaving behind? What is it in your life that gives you separation anxiety? I'm not saying you have to leave everything. I didn't say you should leave your job, but I am saying you should not be afraid of leaving your job. I didn't say you should, you should, you should want the relationship, the dating relationship that you have to break up, but I'm saying if you're in a place where all of your actions are being driven by a fear of a breakup, we have a problem. Um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't say we, you should be wanting to lose money, but I am saying that if you are constantly so afraid of losing money that you don't start anything, we have a problem. It is a fear of loss that we are dealing with today. What is it that you are worried about? Listen carefully. Resurrection power is available. You've just got to make a decision to ride to your own Jerusalem. Amen? Jesus, Jesus is able to go to Jerusalem because he knew or he believed in resurrection power enough. Hebrews 2 verse 12 says, Inasmuch as the children, verse 14, sorry, Hebrews 2 14 says, Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy of him who had the power of death. There was somebody who had the power of death. That is the devil. And the scripture says that through Jesus' death, he has destroyed the enemy who had the power of death. That is the devil. And he has released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You and I have been set free from the fear of death. This means that death might still happen. In fact, this is why Christian, God still allows Christians to die. Death might still happen. You might still lose a job. A relationship might still break up. But death or loss has been stripped of its power to determine your destiny. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? So even when something dies, even when someone dies, even when a situation ends, the reality is that there is always still life ahead because death has been stripped. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? There was a time when we, you, if you were buried in a grave and the tomb was sealed, that was the end. But Jesus died and he resurrected. So now the grave is no longer the end. Let me encourage somebody who has been through a divorce. Divorce is no longer the end. Let me encourage someone who has lost someone dear to you. I am so sorry that you are going through such a terrible thing. But did I not say, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. There is life after this. Amen? I said there is life after this. 
We've just got to lose the fear of death enough to embrace life. In fact, these days, our God, Romans 8, put it this way, our God works all things together for his good, for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. So, so, so Peter, <laughs> Peter is about to be crucified, and, and Peter gets this revelation that, that, that death is, is not a problem. Peter's only problem is crucify me upside down. Imagine that. Imagine where you're not afraid of death. You're not binding death. You know, if it was me, I'd be binding death. I'll tell them, because they're asking me, Lord, I receive that as a testimony. I receive that as evidence that you're saving my life. Amen. I want us to be free from death. I want us to be free from that fear. I wonder what life you will get a hold of if you are free from the fear of death and the fear of life. I wonder what you will reach for if you are no longer worried about losing. Father, we just release resurrection power in this house this morning. To every person who is willing to yield, who is willing to release what they have in their hands. We just, we, we, just, we just say, let your resurrection power resurrect. Maybe there are some of you who in here, you have given up some things. You have already been separated from things. And you feel like you are in this in-between place where, yes, you have separated from that relationship, but you're in this middle place where you don't know what next. Please know that just like Lazarus who died and is found in the grave, you do have a savior in the person Jesus, and he has life in abundance for you. And I've come to call you up like he did for Lazarus to say, look up and listen to the voice of your master. Because even though you are in the grave, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If you go in the, in the direction of what he's saying, you will come out of that grave and those grave clothes will be taken off and you will live a new life. There is a fresh life available to you if you will yield to the master. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for resurrection happening in this house. All over this house, dreams are being resurrected. Faith is being resurrected. Hope is being resurrected. I see businesses being resurrected after failing. I, I, I know that there are some of you in here, your business has failed in times past. You're going to believe again because you have resurrection power available. Your relationships are coming to a fresh season of life a fresh season of happiness, a fresh season of joy. You are coming to a place of wholeness in yourself. We just release that resurrection power in this house because we are free from the fear of loss and the fear of death. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Let's come before God with our giving.